Welcome to the Sugar Hill Church Podcast. We hope and pray this message challenges and inspires you to live out God's truth in your life. We've been in this series called The Big Deal. We've been in this series called The Big Deal, and a lot of times people ask us, well, what kind of church are you? A couple weeks ago where I met James was in the new members class, and a lot of times people show up for that. They're like, I don't know what the next step is. I've been coming here for a while. How do I find out more about the church and what kind of church you are? And so that thing that we say all the time is that around here, we believe the Bible is a big deal. So last week we talked a lot about that, that it's through the Bible we see the promises of God and the faithfulness of God and the character of God lived out. But the second phrase in that is that we believe that Jesus is the biggest deal. Jesus is the biggest deal. And that's huge. That's a big deal around here. Now for me, for those of y'all that know my story, I grew up in Mississippi and I went to a church. I grew up in a church where we talked a lot about the name of Jesus. We sang songs about the name of Jesus. I don't know if you grew up around songs like Jesus, 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 sweetest name I know. Do y'all know that? Y'all wanna sing it? Just kidding, I can't, I can't sing. Um, but uh, I, I grew up singing those kind of songs and I grew up hearing my pastor talk about Jesus. He'd say, Jesus is the answer. Jesus is the reason. He would say all of these things, except in Mississippi, you say them real loud. You say Jesus, right, real loud. And um, so that's, that's what I grew up in. So I grew up around the name of Jesus. And to be honest with you, Everything I heard was great. Everything I heard was true. Hundreds of Sunday school and Bible study lessons on Jesus, vacation Bible school about Jesus, sermons about Jesus. It was all great. But one of the things I noticed in my life is that the more I heard the name of Jesus, the more I just grew comfortable around the name of Jesus. I don't know if that makes sense to you, but it seems like the thing that we're around a lot, we start to take for granted. And so maybe for you today, you've been around the name of Jesus and today is a reminder to say, why is Jesus such a big deal? Why is he the biggest deal? And honestly, for some of us in the room, maybe, maybe you didn't grow up in that environment. Maybe you didn't grow up hearing Bible stories and singing those songs. And maybe for you, you sort of are on the fence as a skeptic and you're like, really, what is the big deal about Jesus? Because I recognize the environment I grew up in is different than today. It seems like in a lot of ways, politically, socially, just across the board, it seems like we've devalued the name of Jesus. We've made him just another guy. We've made him just another way. We've made him just another person. And so for us to come in here and to say, the Bible is a big deal. Jesus is the biggest deal. My question this morning that I wanna to try to answer is, is why is he the biggest deal? I mean, why Jesus? I mean, why not somebody else? Why not some other way? Why not some other teacher? Why Jesus? And so for you that are believers, my hope is this will be a reminder and for those that are on the fence, I want this to be a morning where you begin to say, just with an open heart, let me explore who this Jesus is. So if you have a Bible, I'm gonna invite you to follow along. We're gonna be in a book of the Bible called Romans and we're gonna be in Romans chapter five. So if you have a Bible and you wanna follow along, you can do that or you can fire up the Sugar Hill Church app and click on resources and click on message notes and you can follow along there. But this morning, what I wanna ask you to do is if you have one of the sermon notes page, I'm gonna ask you to write down just some reasons of why Jesus. I, I, I wanna try to be as clear as I can. I wanna try to just, just unpack that question, why Jesus? The greatest person that could probably talk about it is the guy that wrote Romans 5. It's a guy named Paul. Now, if you don't know the background of Paul's life, he was a guy that hated Jesus. 
I mean, literally his job, his professional job as an adult was to try to stop people from following Jesus. And so for years and years and years, he hated Jesus for years and years and years. He hated followers of Jesus for years and years and years. He tried to stop the church from growing where he persecuted them. He had people killed. He watched all of that happen. And so for him, he was angry. For him, he was uh, very legalistic. For him, he wanted to protect his tradition until one day he met, he met Jesus. And that day he met Jesus, everything changed for him. And that's the story of a lot of people in this room. If we were to ask James or somebody else in this room, what happened before you, know, before you came to know Jesus, I would guarantee you at the moment of knowing Jesus, everything changed. It doesn't mean everything's perfect. It doesn't mean we have it all figured out, but there is a change that takes place because of Jesus. And so what happens is after Paul has that moment where everything changed, after Paul has this moment where his life is radically different, his purpose shifts from killing Christians to helping other people find Christ. His shift moves from trying to shut down churches to try to start new churches. His, his shift, his purpose for living moves away from being a rule keeper to saying, I wanna know Jesus personally. In the middle of that walk, he begins to write letters to all these churches. The churches in Rome had a lot of friction going on. The churches in Rome had a lot of tension underneath the surface. The churches in Rome are trying to figure out, we grew up in one tradition and now we're learning it's just about Jesus. What do we do with that? And as Paul begins to write this letter to them, he begins to talk about why Jesus, if you have your Bibles or if you're following along in the notes, look at it, it's Romans chapter five, verse one. He says, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God. So he starts this chapter, this section of the letter saying, if there's one thing that every single one of us needs, or if there's one thing, whether you grew up in church or out of church, whether you've been in a Bible study this morning or not, whether you're new to this or you've been around a long, long time, Paul says at the end of the day, the one thing that every one of us needs, young and old, every one of us in church, out of church, the one thing that every single one of us needs is peace with God. I mean, that's what we're longing. That's what we're needing. That, when you look at the big picture beyond today's bills, beyond today's worries, beyond the struggles that we're facing today, the thing that every single one of us need, myself included, is peace with our heavenly Father. And listen to what he says. He says, therefore, since we've been justified with peace uh, through, by faith, we have peace with God. How? How do we have peace? Through our Lord, Jesus Christ. And so what Paul begins to do is he lays the groundwork to say, Jesus is the biggest deal. Jesus isn't just another guy. He's not just another story. He's not just another voice. He is the biggest deal. Why Jesus? If you've got something to write with, if you've got the little sermon notes page, let me give you some reasons. Reason number one, why Jesus? Reason number one, only Jesus can rescue us. Only Jesus can rescue us. Only Jesus can, will rescue us from what? Rescue us from ourselves, rescue us from this world, rescue us from trying to fix it ourselves. Listen to how Paul writes it. I wish we had time to unpack the whole chapter, but I love how he says this down in verse six. Look, look down at verse six, if you're following along. He says, for while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. 
I love that because a lot of times people say, well, how, how could God ever love me? How could God care about me? Look at all my mistakes. Look at all the drama. Look at all the stuff. Well, Paul may, puts us all on equal field today. He levels the playing ground completely when he says Christ died for the what? For the ungodly. Not for the pretty good people. Not for the people that thought they could get it together. He says that God died for the ungodly. And listen to what he says. If that's not clear enough, look down at verse eight. He says, but God shows his love for us in that while we are still sinners, Christ died for us. And so the picture that Paul gives us is that when we don't know Christ personally, we're separated from God. Without Christ in our life, we are helpless. Without Christ in our life, we are hopeless. Without Christ in our life, there is a wedge between us and God. And so for us to open it up and say, the one thing that every single one of us needs is peace with God, he starts by saying, but we come into this world separated. And so everybody comes in this world separated from God. Every single one of us comes separated from our heavenly father. And so instead of peace, there's shame in our life. Instead of wholeness, we feel fragile and we feel broken. And so what happens in our world is when we, when we live in a state of being separated from God, when we live in a state of not knowing Christ personally, what happens is we feel the gap that's in our life. We feel the lack of peace that's in our life. Maybe people, people that don't know Christ, maybe they wouldn't explain it that way. Maybe, maybe that's not the way you'd articulate it, but without Christ, we sense that there's something missing. We sense that there's something broken. We sense that there's a vacuum inside of us that isn't being met by our spouses, by our jobs, by money, by stuff, by temporary happiness. We sense there's something missing. And so what happens is we try to fill it ourselves when there's a lack of peace, when there's a lack of hope, we try to fix ourselves. And so here's what happens. We feel the separation from God. Maybe we don't even know how to articulate it that way, but we feel the effects of being separated from God. And so here's what we do. Here's what I do. We try to figure out how to fix it ourselves. Well, maybe if I try harder, maybe I'll have peace in my life. Maybe if I give more, then I'll have peace in my life. Maybe if I try to clean up my act more, then maybe I'll feel peace in my life. Maybe if I volunteer some more, then I'll have peace in my life. Maybe if I work harder, maybe if I try more, maybe then I'll have peace. And here's the problem. Our mentality and the strategy of the world is maybe if I do better, then maybe that will make me better. Maybe if I do what's right, maybe that will make me right. And here's the problem is that just doesn't work. And so when we ask this question, well, why Jesus? Why, what's the biggest deal about Jesus? Reason number one is because Jesus is the only one that can rescue us from that way of living. Jesus is the only one that can rescue us from that strategy of trying to earn it ourselves, trying to do it ourselves, trying to make it right ourselves. See, here's what he says. Jesus didn't die for us on our best day. Jesus didn't die for us when we were serving someplace, when we were on our best behavior, when we were our happiest person. He says, Christ died for the ungodly in verse six. And then he says again in verse eight, he died for us as sinners. So he wasn't waiting for us to get it together ourselves. He wasn't waiting for us to figure it out ourselves. Why Jesus, number one, because only he can rescue us. 
only he can rescue it. Reason number two, if you're taking notes, write down this phrase, not only can only Jesus rescue us, but only Jesus can release us. Only Jesus can release us. I mean, Jesus is, is the biggest deal. There's a reason why we sing about him. There's a reason why we talk about him. Listen to how Paul writes about him. Look down in verse 10. He says this, for if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. He starts that verse by saying we were enemies. Now that's not really a happy Sunday morning message, is it? It's not one of those, hey, that's awesome, thanks. Let me tweet that real quick. We're enemies with God, hashtag Sugar Hill Church. You know, that's honestly, I mean, that's, it sounds heavy, but here's the, the, the simple truth is without Christ, we're ruled by sin in our life. Without Christ in our life, we break the, the laws of God. We, we disobey the will of God. Without Christ in our life, we are sinners that are separated from God. We're enemies, we're enemies. Why would we be enemies? Because God is holy. God has never sinned. He knows no sin. And because of our sin, he put Jesus on the cross. And so, so often we think, well, it's not a big deal what I do. I mean, I'll just ask for forgiveness later. It's not a big deal. It's not a big deal. It's not a big deal. Well, in God's eyes, that sin cost him his son's life. That's a big deal. That sin that that I take for granted, that sin that I treat so casually is something that God died for. And so he starts this verse by saying that we're enemies. Verse 10, while we were enemies with God, listen to this next part. The good news is, but we are reconciled to God by the death of his son. Only Jesus can release us from our sins. Only Jesus can release us from the screw-ups and the scars of our life that when God looked down and he saw us separated because of our sin, he sent his own son. And so when we read about Jesus on this earth, what we're reading about is the invisible God becoming visible. And so the Bible talks about the fact that Jesus lived a sinless, a perfect life. Right? He never did anything wrong against himself. He never did anything wrong against God. He never did anything wrong against other people. He was the sinless one. And then as his ministry began to wind down, they ran him through a sham trial and they, they took him all the way to the cross. And when Jesus hung on that cross, it's as if that cross became the sin magnet of the world. Because he had no sin, the Bible says he could become sin. And so he took my sin He took your sin, he took the whole sin of the world, he paid that on the cross. And so as Paul's writing and he's talking about this big deal about Jesus, he's saying, we were enemies, every single one of us. We were hostile towards God, but now we've been reconciled. Where there was friction, now there's peace. Where there was war, now there's peace. How? Through the death of his son. And I gotta tell you, that's tough for us to swallow. I mean, I I, I don't know your story, but I know in my own story, when I I hear people talk about the forgiveness of Christ and I hear people talking about the fact that he remembers our sins no more, it's almost like in the middle of those moments, all the stuff comes up to the surface where I'm like, yeah, but what about my sin? What about my story? Do you know what I did? 
I know even in our church, we struggle with that. We'll talk to people that'll be like, I've, I've heard all that and I believe all that. And when Pastor Chuck comes up and talks about him, him going before us and behind us and within us, I believe all that, but the struggle inside of me is strong. And sometimes we feel guilty and we feel like, but if you really knew my story, if you really knew my past, and it's almost like we feel like we're gonna get found out. It's almost like we feel like we're an imposter, that somebody's gonna rip the mask off and, and, and somebody's gonna say, Jesus died for everybody, but not for that. But here's the truth of scripture. Your sins, if you know Christ personally, have been removed. You've been released from that. That's huge. And all throughout the Old Testament, sins felt like you just sort of covered them up. All throughout the Old Testament, you would come back once a year and offer a new sacrifice to cover a new year of sins. And so in the Old Testament, it felt like our sins were merely covered. But when you fast forward to the New Testament, Jesus doesn't merely cover our sins. He doesn't merely sweep them under the rug. In the New Testament, our sins aren't covered. Our sins are actually removed from our lives. He who knew no sin became sin. So what's the big deal about Jesus? Why Jesus? Number one, because only he can rescue us. Why Jesus? Number two, only he can, can, can release us from our mistakes. Why Jesus? Number three, only Jesus can restore us. Listen to how Paul writes this. This is powerful as he says this in verse nine. He says, since therefore we have been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. Again, there's heavy words in here, the wrath of God. Why is God angry? Because of sin. God hates sin. He doesn't hate it because it's on a checklist. He hates it because it's killing the life of God inside of us. He hates sin. He designed us for a relationship. He designed us to know him. He designed us to live in peace with him. And so anytime he sees sin in our life, he hates that sin because it's killing what he's trying to do in our life. You can trace this all the way back to the beginning, all the way back to Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve created in the in incredible environment where they could walk with God daily. They could know God personally. They could live without any friction in their life between them and God. And yet the enemy shows up and the enemy uh, in his subtle way causes them to begin to doubt. He asks those open-ended kind of questions to try to drop doubt inside their heart. Did God really say? Have you ever had somebody ask a leading question like that before? Have you ever had somebody, you're like, why are you asking me? You're telling me the answer as you're asking, right? Have you ever seen that where somebody's inferring something by the way they ask it, right? Did Chuck drive the speed limit today, right? No, <laughs> let's pray for our pastor. Um, but you've heard questions like that, right? And so the enemy shows up and the enemy's like, did God really say, can you not eat from that? And from that moment, they begin to say, God's holding back something from us. Let's try to fix it ourselves." And from that moment on, Adam and Eve chose the side of the enemy. From that moment on, Adam and Eve chose the side of the enemy. And so from that moment on, every single one of us come into this world tainted and tarnished by sin. And so we're separated, we, we, we can't fix it ourselves. And so as 
Paul's writing, he says, since then we have now, verse nine, been justified by his blood. That's a legal declaration to say, legally, you deserve death. Legally, you deserve separation. Legally, you deserve to be separated from God forever. But because of Jesus, when you put your trust in Jesus, he makes you legally right in your sight. And so when I say only Jesus can restore us, only he can restore a relationship of peace. Only he can do that. No amount of good works, no amount of behavior reformation, no amount of giving, none of that stuff can bridge the gap that only Jesus can can bridge. Only Jesus can declare us to be something we can never obtain on our own, peace with God. Why Jesus? Only he can rescue us. Why Jesus? Only he can release us. Why Jesus? Only he can restore us. Here's the fourth one if you wanna write it down. Why Jesus? Only he can recreate us. Only he can recreate us. So as Paul's writing, he says this in the middle of verse 10, he says much more now that we are reconciled. Reconciled means made right. That, that wrong has now been right. We've been purchased. We, the, 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 the playing field is now leveled, not because of us, not because of us doing better to try to be better, but because of him. He says, now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life? He's not saying you have to wait on that life. See, I grew up thinking eternal life was just something in the future. Eternal life was something when the world blew up and the fat lady sing and, the, and all the, the scary end of the world movies are done. I thought, well, one day we'll have eternal life. And here's what Paul says, eternal life starts now. That at the moment of salvation, the presence of God steps out of heaven and steps into our heart and he comes to live inside of us that it's a real relationship. And what that means is he begins to change us from the inside out. See, early on when we're separated uh, alone uh, with no help and no hope, when we don't know Christ, we try to change ourselves from the outside in. We're all about behavior change. Well, if I act better, do better, try harder, if I clean this up, if I stop doing that. And, And so we start from the outside in. The problem with that is that rarely, rarely lasts and it never penetrates the heart. And so here's what Paul says, God's a God that starts on the inside. He's an inside God. And so at the moment of salvation, he steps out of heaven and he steps into our life and he begins a change that starts with our heart. It starts with him legally declaring us to be something we can never be on our own. And that legal change that starts on the inside begins to lead to external change that leaks out in everything we do. Only Jesus could do that. So the question this morning is why Jesus? Why do we sing about Jesus? Why why do we say Jesus is the biggest deal? Here's the reason. Because at the end of the day, the one thing that every single one of us needs, young or old, is we need peace with God. And that peace with God is not something we could get on our own. That peace with God is not something we could bribe God to try to get on our own or earn from God. That thing that we need can only be found in Jesus. Only Jesus can do that. Only Jesus can reach into life and cause a dead heart to come back to life. That's a big So this morning, I wanna invite you, would you bow your heads just for a moment? I'm gonna invite you just to close your eyes. And I just wanna ask you a couple questions this morning. Man, around here, we, we, we are so grateful that God offers 
that peace so freely. We wanna be people that stand up and say, it's Jesus. It's not Jesus plus trying harder. It's not Jesus plus giving more. It's not Jesus plus serving more. It's not Jesus plus attending more. It's not Jesus plus making bigger promises. It's not Jesus plus family stuff. It is simply just, just Jesus. He's enough. And so this morning, if you're a believer, uh, maybe you've grown numb to the fact that it is just Jesus. And today, would you just in your head and your heart, would you just thank him? Thank him for the price that he paid. Thank him for the free gift that he gives. Maybe like me, somewhere along the way in this message, God stirred something inside of you to say, there's some things that you've been doing that I died on the cross for. And you just wanna tell him you're sorry. God, would you forgive me? Would you do that? This morning as we bow and pray, maybe for you, you don't know Jesus personally. Maybe there's never been a moment that uh, you've truly turned from your sin and you've turned to him. And so you haven't experienced that peace. If that's you, you could ask him to step in your heart right now. You don't have to wait on something else or somebody else. You could just ask him. The Bible says that if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, that he's the boss, the leader. If we believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, the promise that God makes that we can count on, he says, if you confess that and you believe that, you will be saved. So right now, as we pray, maybe you just wanna pray this part of the prayer in your head and your heart. You can just say something like this, dear Jesus, I know that I am a sinner. I believe my sin separates me from you. But I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. And I believe that you're alive today. And as best as I know how, I ask you to forgive me of my sins and save me rescue me. Thanks for listening to the Sugar Hill Church Podcast. For more information and to find out more about our church, please visit us at sugarhillchurch.com.